Star Wars Action News is brought to you in part by Brian's Toys. At Brian'sToys.com, you can find Star Wars toys and collectibles from 1977 to the present. Brian's Toys has it all, from vintage toys and action figures right up to the latest releases. And when checking out, be sure to say you were referred to Brian's Toys by Star Wars Action News. So go check out the world's largest selection of Star Wars toys at Brian'sToys.com. Listening to Star Wars Action News, your source for Star Wars collecting news, reviews, and updates, helping Star Wars collectors collect better. Be sure to check out our website at SWActionNews.com, where you can see photos of the items discussed, chat with other Star Wars Action News listeners, and much more, including information on how you can be part of the show. Hello and welcome to Star Wars Action News. I'm Marjorie. I'm Arnie, and I have some great news. I have a cold. Yes, you do. But at least you're getting it out of your way before celebration, so you're going to be immune to that, any of the crud. That's exactly why it's great news. I'm getting it over with now. I feel like I need to stand close to you and like breathe it all in so I get it before celebration. Yes, absolutely. So I apologize in advance for any mispronounced letter B's and such that come through the show, but... And he's got Medhead, so who knows what he's pre-ordered. Quite a bit. I pre-ordered a Jar Jar with Christmas-like bandoliers, so... That makes me happy. Although I'm afraid that Jar Jar is now going to come out the other way like the Ewoks did, and people are going to love Jar Jar. Why would that be a bad thing, people coming around to your side? Because I liked him when he wasn't cool. Yeah, but we both liked Star Wars when it wasn't cool. True. And we both liked Star Wars in the early 90s. Yeah. And late 80s. Yeah, I got made fun of for it. But let's talk celebration, because when this show comes out, just next week will be celebration. And got a lot to do in the next few days. Yeah, it'll be kind of busy. We've got a plan for our party, and I'm sorry to say for anyone who was procrastinating on tickets, you waited too long. We sold out. There are no more tickets for our party. If you saw that really cool shirt with art by Mark McKenna... And you haven't ordered a ticket, you can't get that shirt with art by Mark McKenna. It is sold out. So happy that people from yakface.com and our listeners at Star Wars Action News turned out in droves. And thanks to everyone who's donating prizes, Sideshow, Brian's Toys with the removable blade, Kit Fisto lightsaber, Hallmark with all the party favors and kids' bags, Yak Face with just a ton of stuff, the Carbon Freeze set, the hard-to-find figures, the 12-inch figures, and KNC Collectibles came and gave us a gift certificate to give away at the party. And that's really cool because you can get whatever you want. But while you won't be able to see us at the party, Marjorie and I are going to be around the convention. As we mentioned before, we are running the Collecting Track Social Area, which is in W304. You can come and see some very cool collectibles. We've got panels and book signings and meet the fan site activities with exclusive patches. This is all very cool. Those patches are really cool. Limited to 500 apiece. Mm-hmm. Us Jedi Temple Archives, yakface.com, jedinews.co.uk, sandtroopers.com, and the TSWCA site 
all got together for the patches that formed when all put together. The Celebration 6 logo on top of the Death Star 2. So cool. Art by Chris and Justin. And you'll only be able to get those at the Meet the Fan site activities. Be talking about all of that. But there's a couple other things we want to talk about. Because of the social area, Marjorie and I aren't doing as many panels this year as we did last year. No, we're working from open to close this time every single day. So if you want to come see me and hang out and talk to me, definitely come by the social area. And just come by anyway because we have seats. And hand gel. And hand gel. I will promise it'll be hand gel. And a Macquarie panel. Oh, a Macquarie panel? Uh, about the Macquarie book? And about, about collecting things Ralph Macquarie. But we are doing a couple of panels opening day. It is honestly a real honor to be asked to do these instead of soliciting and all of that. When we saw Mary Franklin at New York Comic Con last year, she said that they definitely wanted us to kick off the con again with our bottle of water and a plan panel, basically giving tips on how to survive a con. Well, and it's going to be great because a lot of people are first timers and even people who've been to a few, you can usually pick up a few things. It's just great learning experience. And every once in a while, I'll pick up something new from someone. I'm like, wow, I never thought of that. And that's a really great idea. At this point, I think we're pretty veteran con goers. I've been going to Wizard World, which was this past weekend. This is my 11th year in a row going to Wizard World. Yeah. Not to mention six years at San Diego Comic-Con and all of that. So come on out, get a few tips, or just come on out to show us support for Marjorie and I so that we're, you know, first show, first day. People are often on the floor and things trying to just get their bearings because they haven't had Mm -hmm. a panel like this. They don't know where they're going. So appreciate the support. And then at one o'clock, just two hours later, we get a one-hour break to get from one room to another in W303, the Collecting Track Panel Room. We're doing Collecting at Celebration 101. Yeah, so we're going to have some instructional things on how you can, one, get through the convention and survive and have your feet intact and not be bloody stumps, and how you can go home with pretty much everything you want. And you have to pay for it, so I mean, you're not getting this free. We're not going to tell you how to do that because shoplifting is wrong. And... We'll be discussing the pros and cons of it, discussing all the things for collectors, giving history on the Star Tots, which are the collecting panel giveaway this year, a lot of free collectibles this year. If you listen to the show, we've run down a lot of them, but maybe you have friends who don't listen, who are more casual collectors and want a primer and know where all the exclusives are and which ones are going to be the hot ones to get. So come see us. W311 ABCD at 11 a.m. and W303 at 1 p.m. Those are our two panels. And again, we'd appreciate a show of listener support just by kind of showing up. And then on Friday is a big activity that I'm surprised hasn't gotten more notice until the past few days. In the social area, after the show closes at 6.30 at night, is going to be a first ever collector swap meet. Now, usually these swap meets are kind of like these secretive little hotel sales where people will sell out of their room and, you know, you can pick up some cool vintage stuff or maybe some foreign things. Well, we're taking it out of the hotel and it's going to be in the social area and it's going to start at 630 on Friday night. And it's going to be a lot of fun. You know, you're on your own as far as deals and sales. There's no moderator. There's no eBay feedback, blah, blah, blah. It's kind of like a flea market. Kind of. Only spearheaded by one of the biggest Star Wars collectors in the world, Gus Lopez, who's the one who's bringing these hotel sales to the masses. Because 
I had only found out about them around Celebration 4, and we'd been going to Celebration since Celebration 2. They're mm-hmm. real ear-to-the-ground, be-in-the-know kind of things. So this is a chance for you to see some cool collectibles that'll never make their way to the showroom floor. Yeah, and it's fun. So definitely plan on that. Bring a few items if you have it, or just bring a pocket full of cash. (laughs) (laughs) But it's something to try to plan ahead for so that you can get those items packed, or if you need to, ship them to your hotel at the con so that you have a few items that you may not love as much as somebody else would, and you could find something there that you would love a lot more. Even I'm kind of at that point with that giant 40-foot Star Wars Walmart banner. Every so often you get something, and it's rare, and it's nice, but you go, it's just not for me. We found it at home, though. Yes. So again, that's Friday at 6.30 in the social area. If you're bringing quite a bit of stuff, setup can start at 5 p.m. for you, but the actual swapping and trading starts at 6.30. Another cool event going on at Celebration is the Diorama Workshop. And this has been going on for 10 years. And this year, Frank Diorio is pulling out all the stops on his diorama. It's amazing. If you follow him on Twitter, he's Diorama Workshop. You he, should follow him yes, on Twitter. Yes, you should, because not only is he funny and entertaining, I've known this man for a few years, and I don't know when he sleeps. He's posting stop-motion videos of his creations now. It's really amazing, amazing stuff. He builds the single best, most intricate, largest dioramas I've ever seen. I've seen cool dioramas. I've seen a lot of cool dioramas in a lot of collections. But his stuff is second to none. And, of course, he's going to be teaching people how to do it and letting them do it in a huge diorama at Celebration 6. We had him on the show previously talking about the action figure collection he was doing to try to get more figures for his diorama. But he couldn't really say much because we can't say anything about the show until we're told we can say things about the show. Mm -hmm. But now Frank can talk about the show. Hello, sir. Hey, how's it going? Well, but... I watch your Twitter. How's it going with you? We're worried about you, Frank. (laughs) Oh, I know. The lack of sleep is starting to catch up, isn't it? I don't understand how you can go from starting in January to plan and having like six months to do this and then end up like two weeks till the show. And it seems like we didn't do anything, even though we did accumulate like a lot, a lot, a lot of stuff. But it's just always last minute. I think it's part of the nature of conventions or when you start planning anything, it always... Uh, I bet you will be doing something an hour before I go take the plane or something. <laughs> well, what you said last time you were on the show is that you were gathering figures and beasts and vehicles from Tatooine, kind of cluing people in a little bit about what the diorama was this year. But why don't you go ahead and tell everyone exactly what it is that's going to be built in the diorama area this year? Okay, well, because it's our 10th anniversary doing this, which is hard to believe in itself, we decided that why don't we go back to where it all started and do a Tatooine build again. But when we did the first one, we just did the Moss uh, Eisley spaceport portion. And this time we're doing the entire planet from the episode one, all the, the prequels and the original trilogies. So the thing that's really cool is that there's a lot, a lot of choices to do this year. We have uh, small houses big houses. So depending on if you want to spend more time, you could do a bigger house than a small house and it'll add variety to the streets of Mos Espa and Mos Eisley. There's moisture evaporator kits that we're handing out. We're going to be doing uh, Tuscan tents, 
We have uh, rocky canyons so that we could build uh, Obi-Wan's house, perch it on top of the, one of the canyons or where the Tusken Raiders attack Luke and stuff like that, where R2 also is, the Jawas discover him. Uh, we're going to have a cantina build, a docking bay, 94, or I hear that you like to call it 96, but I assume, I think I remember it was 94. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, see, Arnie's not good at trivia. He knows this, but he thought it was docking bay 96 one time. <laughs> uh, maybe if you squint, it looks like that, because the number is funky. Like, it doesn't, you know, it's not a traditional... He just needs glasses. Yeah. Oh, maybe, maybe okay, that's, that's it. Yeah, you're right. You're building that's a huge right. diorama. I'm sure if you're building one through 94, you can just do two more. And yes, well, there will <laughs> actually there are in the pl- in the floor plan of the of the diorama there are I think ten docking bays to be built because we have like uh, we receive some ships from the fan donations and stuff. So to put the ships inside the actual docking bay, so we'll name a, a number 96 in honor of. <laughs> Well, thank you. <laughs> then I can finally you can take hear the end of this. And you can like tell people that it actually exists. <laughs> and uh, apart from those, which are like the main core builds, we're going to have two gigantic builds, which are really exciting. And these are group builds with the, for advanced builders. And we're going to try to get teams of 10 to 15 people to help us. And they're actually going to be building with us this time, or I should say the opposite, I guess. It's us that will be building with them instead of slaving away, doing all the prep work, because we pretty much cleared all of that this time. So we want to attack 1-1 scale for the Hasbro figures. We want to make a Jawa Sandcrawler, which is a proxy. We did the prototypes. We have to dismantle them and ship them to Orlando to do the the detailing and the painting and everything and the rebuilding with the fans. But it's the size of about your fridge. So this thing is like humongous. Wow. And then uh, the other one, which is going to get the fans excited, I think, because a lot of people have been asking Hasbro to make this as a toy, I think, which I don't, by doing it to scale, I don't know how they would manage to do this. But we're doing Jabba's sail barge, which is 94 inches long when it's scaled to the figures. So that is just humongous, and it actually looks really cool. And uh, I'm going to be taking some pictures before I dismantle it so we could kind of give a preview on the websites and on the Facebook and Twitter to uh, sort of whet the appetite of what people will be doing. I think we're going to have some people pushing each other to get in line to come and help on those bills, I think. Now, last time you were on the show, you were – getting figures and such for this how did that go how's that coming along as far as donations uh the donations were went really well what surprised me is that i thought that a lot more people would be sending uh through paypal and we got really f- not ma- not much money in terms of uh donations in that sense uh maybe 150 or 200 dollars what really blew our mind was the number of fans who actually sent cases of figures, you know, some fans were sending like 50, 60 figures at a time. And we have uh, Jet's Toy Hut, who's actually sponsoring the workshop this year. They gave a huge lot of donations. There's uh, Rancho Obi-Wan, who is giving us about 200 figures. I was uh, going through my own uh, duplicates, and I accumulated about 300 figures that uh, I'm sending from my own collection. And then the fans sent in about maybe 
700 or something like that. And so we were close to 1,200, 1,300 figures from what the people sent. Now, our goal was 2,000. Obviously, 1,300 is amazing. Uh, there's still a week before the show, so it's tight for shipping. But uh, definitely, if you're coming to the uh, celebration, you could always bring a little bag or a box of uh, donations that you could drop off with us at uh, the show. We're not going to stop taking donations because the show has started, that's for sure. But it's it's amazing how when you ask Star Wars fans to sort of like help the community, they really jump in full force, you know? So we hear you've got some super cool T-shirts going on, too. You want to tell us a little bit about those? Yes. Uh, for the first time, I actually decided to ask the staff what they wanted as a T-shirt instead of shoving it down their throat with my <laughs> designs. So I said, what do you guys really want for a 10th anniversary shirt? And they wanted a concert-style rocking T-shirt kind of thing. So I actually used the power of Twitter. And uh, this guy, uh, illustrator called Jason Liu, he came to our rescue. And in a day, he did an illustration of a rocking Tuscan Raider, and that became our official staff shirt. We have a contest which, if you solve uh, the puzzle the fa- in the fastest time and send us the screen grab, you will win one of these T-shirts. Now, these T-shirts are not going to be given away at the workshop or anything like that. So the only way to get it for a fan at the moment is winning this puzzle contest. And... Because we're doing four days of workshop, and last time we only had one design, the staff was complaining that they were smelling by Sunday by wearing the same shirt. So they decided, can we have more than one design? So I said, okay, my, you know, your wish is my command. We shall do that. So we decided to go with some retro 70s style iron-on vintage T-shirt for the staff this year. And we have four designs, and uh, just so happens that you guys on Wednesday the 15th are going to be revealing one of those designs, I believe. Yes, we are. We're going to be revealing this shirt on our Twitter and Facebook pages. Which is just amazing. And then the other three designs will be shared on our friends' Facebook pages, which are the Curdo Burns Facebook page, my Diorama Workshop of course, and uh, Rancho Obi-Wan will be doing a T-shirt reveal as well. And I understand there's going to be a couple of things given away to people who come and participate in the diorama build? Yeah, uh, this year, as usual, we like to give things away because we like to see people smile. So obviously they give the figures away also. But this year we're giving uh, uh, tattoo giveaways, and it's... uh, not the permanent tattoos that they have at the pavilion, unfortunately, for some, but we're giving the temporary tattoos. We have one design per day. They're really cute. Uh, the kids are going to love them. We have uh, a heart with uh, Utini written in it. Uh, we have a pirate Ewok. We have a Jabba's anchor and a few other little surprises that you'll have to see on the day. So on the Friday, we give one. On the Thursday, we give one design. So if you want all four designs, you have to come to the workshop at least once every day until they run out. Very cool. I know a lot of people who are doing those one-each-day collectibles, and that's their target each day. So how long do they have to build to get the tattoo? If you pass by the workshop, we can actually give you a tattoo, even if you're not building, because we're so nice. 
but uh, <laughs> we actually have enough that we can sort of like not just keep for the the workers. We have another special little item for the workers that we won't give to the general public. I'll talk to you about that in a minute. But for the tattoos, if you pass by, we'll give you one. But obviously, if you come to build, when you say, I want to build like a house or something, then we'll give you the material to start you on the house and we'll give you your tattoo at the same time. So what we, what's really cool about it is because we have a sink and we have access to water and stuff, the kids will actually be able to like tattoo themselves as they're building. So we'll probably see like a bunch of little kids going around with like Utini tattoos all over the convention and people will be going like, where the hell did they get that? From? But <laughs> I think it's going to be funny. We might end up seeing a lot of fans walking around with diorama tattoos during the four days. Frank DiOrio corrupting America's youth <laughs> for 10 years. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> Nothing worse than arts and craft and hot glue. So Frank, when somebody comes to the diorama workshop, what kind of techniques will they be learning or refining or honing? This year, you know, I'm warning the parents, maybe it's a good thing that we're doing this a bit before the show. If the parents are listening to this and you're coming to the workshop, bring an extra T-shirt because this year we're getting dirty. If the kids are doing Tuscan tents or the houses, you're going to be using plaster bandages. So these are the same bandages that uh, when you break your arm, you know, the doctor wraps the dips, the bandages in the water and then you like place it around. But in our case, it's going to be over the, the cardboard boxes and stuff like that. So that's an easy way to have uh, lots of dirty hands and stuff. But Lucasfilm gave us a sink inside the workshop. So you'll be able to at least stay clean somewhat. And uh, the other part of the wet area that we're calling it is that we have the painting station. So obviously all the houses will be paid being will be painted with uh, latex paint. So that's uh, you could get some splotches and stuff on your T-shirts and your clothes in with using that technique also. But um, so we the the biggest fun things for the kids because they really enjoy that. It will be the plaster bandages and the painting. Now, uh, we for the moisture evaporators, we designed it in a way that is really cool using spools of thread and beads, straws, and miniature clothespins. Like, I know it sounds really strange. It sounds like a, a recipe for Frankenstein or something, but it actually makes the coolest-looking moisture evaporator. So that's going to be kind of like more an artsy-crafty, without-getting-dirty kind of thing, and it's for uh, younger builders also. Yeah, that's pretty much it in terms of, like, techniques uh, that we have. Obviously, for the more advanced ones, when we're going to be doing uh, Jabba's sail barge and the uh, sand crawler, we're going to be working with foam core again and hot glue guns, and we're going to be painting and doing lots of detailing and cutting. And it's going to be a lot like people who love doing model work when they were kids and adults. There's going to be a lot of that going on as well. So it's not it's, – it's really, I think, the first time for all ages, you know? That sounds very cool. And this is going on all four days of the con? Yes. Now, do people have to sign up or can you just show up? No, there's no signing up. What happens is that there's a queue line and then uh, people come in. And as long as there's tables available, everything is free again. The materials are all paid for by Reed and Lucasfilm. So you say, I want to build a house. We give you the materials that it takes you for the house. You want to build a moisture evaporator. We give you the kit for the moisture evaporator. Then you go find your table. You sit down. Once all the tables are filled, then it's kind of like 
getting on and off a bus. It's like uh, when someone leaves, then we'll be able to let someone else come in. But a really, really fun bus that no one wants to leave, like the bus Eddie Murphy was on in Saturday Night Live in 1986. That bus. Well, if we had that bus, then we'd be in trouble, wouldn't we? (laughs) (laughs) Now, recently you had a blog post up on StarWars.com. Would you like to tell people a little bit about what you talked about? Because it's kind of a special year for you this year. It is. Well, it's our 10th anniversary doing this. And as a fan being asked to be, you know, participate and write uh, a blog on the official Star Wars blog site was sort of like mind boggling. My jaw kind of like dropped on the floor when they asked me to do that. So I said, of course, I'm going to do it. And uh, so the first uh, blog that I did, which is up now, talks about my recollections of the past 10 years, starting with Indianapolis in 2002, which got us started, how it got started, and then all our, you know, different adventures that happened all the way through to 2010 Celebration 5. And in next week, I'm going to be writing another blog talking about everything that has to do with this year's Celebration 6. So it's going to be more specific to this convention and everything basically that we're talking about now and maybe a couple of little stories hidden in between there, but here and there. But it's going to be just a treat to, you know, be able to participate and, and be asked like that. You're you know, your brain is kind of divided into two. You have your professional side and then your geek side that you remain for the rest of your life, kind of. And the geek side goes like, Ooh. it's kind of, you know, when you go to the convention and you see one of the actors and you want to remain calm, you know, you don't want to just jump on the actor and go like, you'd like robot chicken or something. You know, you want to keep a composure. <laughs> but yet inside your head, you're going like completely mental. So, Well, congratulations. That is very, very cool. And I can think of few people more deserving of such recognition by StarWars.com. Oh, well, thank you. Thank you. It means a lot. You know, I really appreciate the chance that they gave to me to write for that. And, you know, it's almost like when I went to work at ILM for the first time. You know, it's you're walking the halls of a place that you've been sort of like dreaming about going all your life and uh, since seeing Star Wars as a kid and you you actually see all the props that you've seen in books and different things and then you start realizing that you're actually there you know it's it's uh it's special i i am i'm really honored that they asked me to to participate in that so frank my two memories of your diorama workshop because unfortunately since we've known about them have been the ones where we're also working and haven't been able to come and build but i remember making such a big point at Celebration 4 to come by and see as Endor was being built in Celebration 5. I spent a good hour or more taking pictures of Hoth, but I know that at the end you do the breakdown and people come and they get the figures and supplies. So how many people are going to be fighting over that refrigerator-sized sand crawler and that 96-inch sail barge? Well, the Jawa Sandcrawl, I don't know. It's so big. I don't know what someone would do with that. We actually were thinking that the, even in your home display, the only thing that you could really display are like the treads, right? And there's four treads. So we're thinking maybe we'll just divide it and then give one tread to each person so they could at least bring it home and put it on a shelf and put the purchase of the droids in front of them and have a souvenir in that way. Uh, for the sail barge, we have a really exciting 
cool thing on you know on my nerdy geek side uh, of having the chance to do this, and we're really thrilled that uh, Steve Sansweet took um, accepted our offer. Is that um, on the Sunday the sail barge is actually going to be donated to Rancho Obi Wan, and so Steve is going to be putting it in his truck with all of the other exhibits that he's bringing along with him. And they're going to be driving that back to San Francisco and it's going to be on permanent display at the ranch for future guests to come and see uh, live in person what we had built. So it's going to be a good way to not have it die, you know, after just four days of public showing. So we're really, really excited about that. And what about for everybody else, the kids and parents, what can they grab for? Oh, well, obviously, um, so far we have over maybe 1,300 donations, I thought, I think we said, of the toys. Um, every kid that comes and builds, obviously, as in the past years, uh, gets to bring home the actual construction element that they built, so be it a house or a moisture evaporator or a Tuscan tent. And then any figure that was connected or touching that sort of area they get to bring that home also. So everyone leaves with at least one toy, and some of them get to leave with maybe two or five, depending on, you know, the number of kids that are there. But we try to limit it more to, like, children, especially for, like, when it comes to vehicles and stuff like that. We don't want, like, a 16-year-old to win, like, a BMF Falcon or something when he has the money to be able to go buy it, you know, but like when you give like when we did at Hoth, the the little kids who won those gigantic the new at ads there and their faces were just like it was like Christmas all over again for them to one kid. The at ad was actually taller than him. And it was actually very, very funny. It was very sweet. And when, you know, then a, a sore loser kind of said, like, he's too young to enjoy it. You know, it was like, well, yeah, but he'll have fun playing with it in two years, two, three years. So. It's good memories. It's it's a, it's the best part of doing the the workshops. Really, is to be able to have the people take home with them, you know, pieces of the convention. And obviously, as in the other years, also on dioramaworkshop.com after the show, every single blueprint, technique, making of decals, everything that was used by the fans at the show to build will be available online for the general public. So people who were at the show can continue celebrating at home and people who could not make it with us in Orlando will be able to recreate the same techniques and rebuild the same dioramas displays for their own houses to sort of like give them a feeling that they were participating also. So that's our kind of uh, our way to say thank you to the public also. Well, thank you very much, Frank, for coming on our show again. It's 10 days away from celebration, and I know you've got a lot to do. We've got a lot to do. We'll probably see you around there Wednesday. Um, We'll be setting up our area, and we'll drop by and say hi. Throw some supplies over your table. I'm sure you'll just be working crazily. We're really looking forward to it. It's going to be – I think it's going to be the best – workshop and uh, and looking at all the other activities also i think it's going to be the best celebration of all of the celebrations they've had so far thanks again to frank i am just being a realist knowing i won't have time to go build anything this time at celebration but i am going to make the time to go by every day and take some pictures and talk to frank and see the progress and see that giant sail barge and that giant sand crawler and all of that Every time we go, though, Frank's stuff is so inspiring, and I always 
go home all gung-ho that I'm going to do this, and then time kicks me in the butt. But things are going to calm down. And once we get all this stuff out, I really am going to build the Ewok Village or maybe Hoth or Tatooine. So you know I love Tatooine. I still have trauma from that diorama building accident when I tried to build a Wampa Cave. Hoth, I don't know if I can participate in. You're the only person to sprain their ankle building a diorama. I have post-diorama stress syndrome. Yes, I don't think we can do it. Finally, the store at Celebration put up pictures of the official items. We're actually going to be saving this to go over next week with our opinions, but definitely check it out in the mobile app or on their website, which we will link to from SWActionNews.com. But outside of Celebration Collecting News, store reports. I have hit a few stores lately. Just a few lately? It's like you've got this memory built up where you just itch. Like, I haven't been to Walmart in weeks. And it's bugging me. Like, today at my lunch, I'm like, I should go Walmart and check for toys. Oh, wait. It's like a phantom limb. It is. It's it, exactly. And imagine if I'm a zombie, and when the zombie apocalypse happens, I'm going to be going to Walmart, Target, Toys R Us, and Starbucks. Just a big I, circle. I still go because I never did find any more of those movie hero figures. Never found the light-up figures that showed up sporadically. There's some of the Clone Wars figures I didn't see. Very few of those, though. But there are some store exclusives hitting. One of our listeners in Green Bay, Wisconsin, emailed to let us know to start hitting Kmarts for that exclusive ATST. Those are showing up at Kmart, and they're ringing up at $34.99. And then Galactic Hunter had a picture online of the two exclusive Toys R Us 5-packs, and those are now starting to hit stores at $39.99, which, for five figures, not a bad price at all. Heading over to online news, I was sitting in the living room with Arnie watching a movie, and all of a sudden he just got up and ran out of the room, and I didn't know what was going on. I thought maybe he was sick, or something happened, maybe sight was hacked or something. No, it just turns out Vintage Wave 7 went on sale at Amazon. They're not shipping till November 30th, and they're $12.99 each, but it was enough to get Arnie to sprint out of the room, up the stairs, and into his computer room. Well... Here's the thing. $12.99 a piece is high for the figures, but it's actually approximately average for Amazon prices. Keep in mind, no sales tax, free Super Saper shipping for any orders over $25. We're Prime members, so free Super Saper shipping on anything. Actually, free Express shipping on Mm -hmm. anything. Gotta love that Prime. And as we talked about with this wave on the last show, this wave is online only. You will never find these in stores. Again, some people say, how's that different from the other figures? (laughs) But these, you're guaranteed, if you don't order them online, you don't see them. And most stores are selling them just by the case. Or if you want individual figures, you're paying an excessive premium. If you go to eBay, you're going to be paying an excessive premium. And look at some of the figures in this wave. I mean, there's the Gungan Warrior. There's the Republic Trooper. But I think the cream of the crop is that Emperor's Royal Guard that has to switch out pieces to become Kirkanos from Crimson Empire. When we were at San Diego Comic-Con and they showed that figure, we were talking with Reverend Strone, and he was already postulating that that one was going to be a really, really hard figure to find. And I'm like, well, maybe distribution will get fixed up. You never can tell. (laughs) And that, my friends, was the only time Arnie was optimistic. (laughs) And it turned out I was completely wrong. It shows what I get for being optimistic. I had ended up ordering two cases of these figures, one to have the mint on card, one to open, but I wanted more of these Royal Guards, and I wanted more of the Republic Troopers, and I wanted more of the Gungans, and if you want these, this is really the only way to get them at anything close to MSRP. So yes, 
I knew those Royal Guards were going to go and go quick. I came up here. I'm not sure if I'm going to get them. It's from Amazon. It's a pre-order. It's a toy pre-order. This isn't Amazon's wheelhouse. So if they cancel the order, I won't be entirely surprised. You see, my optimism's gone away now. Mm -hmm. But I wanted to get my orders in. And for people who don't want this whole way, for people who aren't completists, but they really want that Lumat because they are an Ewok collector. They really want this Royal Guard. Everybody wants this Royal Guard. Or maybe somebody really wants that Naboo pilot. <laughs> I don't know who, but... Maybe, maybe someone is recreating the kidnapping scene. Or maybe somebody wants everything but the Naboo pilot. That could happen, too. And I think of the least exciting figures, and I want to say the Naboo pilot's on there. They have the worst outfits. <laughs> they don't look like pilots. I don't know what they look like. They're like Disney people. Like Disney cast members. They kind of do, yeah. Now, as I say, cast members, not employees. I got schooled on that. Now, these things come and go pretty quickly at Amazon. One thing I like to do is if there's some of these you're waiting for to see if they come back or if the prices fluctuate, add them to your Amazon wish list. And then every time you go to Amazon, you'll see this little row of things on your wish list and you can watch how the prices go. Yeah, I call it my shopping list and waiting for a sale. Mm-hmm. That's exactly what I do. I say, oh, I'd like to get that. Oh, I don't want to pay that. I'll put it on my wish list. And then sometimes Arnie buys it for me, too. So that was an exciting moment to be able to order those figures individually and not have to pay $20 a pop for them. We also have a couple of unique pieces of collecting news online. Diamond Select, who makes the cool bottle openers and the bust banks for Star Wars, also has a line of toys called Mini Mates, which are little figures with a lot of articulation, about two inches tall. And they do a lot of different lines for them, video games, comic books, and so on. But the founder of Diamond Select had started a Kickstarter project to get funding for his movie. And, you know, with Kickstarter, if you donate certain amounts of money, you get something special. They were offering a special Star Wars-related mini-mate. It was Peter Mayhew. Not Chewbacca, but actually Peter Mayhew. And I know a lot of people have been clamoring for the men behind the mask type of action figures. They wanted Hasbro to do removable mask C-3PO, removable dome Kenny Baker and all of that. Well, this is the closest you've been able to come. Unfortunately for collectors, they did meet their goal and are no longer making this available. But if the Peter Mayhew mini-mate is something you want, maybe keep an eye out on eBay. And follow us on Facebook and Twitter because we announced that while it was still available. So you can find those links at SWActionNews.com. We recently received an email from someone talking about these wonderful Star Wars coat of arms that they have on their website that they've created. And they're really great. I love the colors on them and I love what they've done. And they're limited to a run of 250 each at 5 by 7 and... Yeah, these are very, very cool. There are some that call out to me more than others, but the use of colors and the way that they've integrated iconography with the characters that they're doing, like there's an Imperial Guard coat of arms, and it's got the shield, and it's got red and black Imperial symbols on the shield, and then it's got the helmet up top, and then some flourish around it like coat of arms have. The Boba Fett one really integrates the wheat into the coat of arms, that little wheat sprawl he has on him with the other symbols. I'm kind of a guy who 
sees a red door and I want to paint it black. So I'm kind of drawn to the TIE Pilot one, which is almost an all-black coat of arms. And it's got the silver. Remember the Skull and Crossbones logo that really was big at Celebration 4? There was that T-shirt that was a C4 exclusive. It's incorporated into it. I really think that there's two that really stand out for me. And one of them is Admiral Akbar's. And I think it's just because I like the purple and the yellow. It's very colorful. It is, and it's great. And a similar design is Boba Fett's, and it really works with the shield with the weed on it and everything. I think that's awesome. And I really like Leia Solos. Leia Organa Solos. Yeah, that one's kind of nice. I don't like the Sir Arthurian helmet on it. You know, The it's, crown? Yeah, it just looks like the Knight she's of the a, Round Table. She's a princess. Yeah, but I don't remember her having a Knight of the Round Table. You know the one I kind of like, but it almost looks a little Catholic, is the Qui-Gon Jinn one. Because it has, like, the halo around it. It almost looks like a statue of the Virgin Mary looking down. It does. It does look very religious. But I kind of like it. It, It's like the Virgin Mary meets Ghost of Christmas Future from Scrooge. Mm Mm-hmm. These are really cool. These are really limited. There's a Greedo one coming, so you know I'm placing an order. Oh, were you talking about the Padme one? Mm-mm. Okay, because I like the Padme one. The Leia one, I still don't like the King Arthur helmet, but the Padme one has the crown and the hair. I don't like that. That's my least favorite Padme outfit. I think it's very unattractive. And not the not the coat of arms. I just don't like that outfit on her. My least favorite Padme outfit is probably the tan getup from Revenge of the Sith. Oh, the maternity one? Yeah, Naboo maternity wear just isn't quite runway specific. No, no. And finally, a last bit of online news. I know Disney and Star Wars fans are buzzing about the exclusive Vinylmation Leia that's going to be at Celebration, but just after Celebration, the Disney Vinylmation Series 2 is going to hit and hit hard. There's going to be a launch event at Disneyland on the 25th, and it's going to be a New Hope-themed wave. I want to get my hands on these. Sorry, I didn't mean to blurt that out like that. I wonder if they'll sell them at Celebration being so close to that date, if they'd premiere them at Celebration. I have no way of knowing if they will or not. Maybe Disney people would get so upset by this that it wasn't launched at Disney, but it would make sense to me to bring a Star Wars item to a Star Wars convention that you're already at with a booth, and if there's an exclusive one. But if not, make a friend. And who knows if there's going to be those super chasers again. Those are crazy. Insane. I don't think I could stand being a Disney fan because of the added stress of being a Star Wars fan. I don't know how you people do it. Well, Barrett is going to be attending the launch party in California, and so we will definitely have a report of that after Celebration. Now, last Tuesday, one of my favorite Star Wars authors came out with a new book that I couldn't believe was coming when it was first announced last year, and I've been looking forward to so much. One of my favorite Star Wars book series is the X-Wing book series that was started by Michael Stackpole and then continued by Aaron Alston. Well, Aaron's back in the X-Wing book series with the new hardcover novel, X-Wing Mercy Kill. And here with a review of that is Brock. This is Brock, Star Wars Action News Book Club Liaison, with a spoiler-free as possible review of Star Wars X-Wing Mercy Kill by Aaron Alston. Review copy courtesy of Delray Books. 
Back in 1996, as the Star Wars Renaissance was continuing to build, the first X-Wing novel, X-Wing Rogue Squadron, was released. And I have to admit, I was a little skeptical. While the video games of X-Wing and TIE Fighter were quite popular back then, it didn't seem like a natural progression to have a book series about Wedge Antilles' group of elite pilots. Furthermore, X-Wing Rogue Squadron was the first novel released at the time that did not revolve around the main Star Wars characters of Luke, Han, and Leia. Needless to say, I was not all that hyped up to read these books. As the books in the series were released fairly close together, I fell behind as I had other Star Wars adventures to read first and didn't start reading the X-Wing books until the first three were out. And that turned out to be a blessing in disguise because once I started reading that first book, I was hooked. And the other adventures were thankfully already there on my shelf, ready to devour. And because I read them all so close together, I was able to more fully immerse myself in the plot, characters, and situations. Because of that engrossing experience, I changed my reading habits. Up until I started to review books here for Star Wars Action News, I waited until all the books in a series were released before I started reading. Consequently, X-Wing became one of my favorite series, and once the fourth book was done, I was again a tad hesitant about starting X-Wing Race Squadron, the start of a new trilogy of X-Wing books, because the series changed authors. A man named Aaron Alston was taking over. Based on my own experience with a new author taking over a series, with the early 1990s Indiana Jones series, I was skeptical about this new guy. But I bought the books as soon as they were released, and I waited until the third book, Solo Command, came out and started reading. Race Squadron, again, hooked me in big time. I was just so won over by the action, the characterization, the adherence to what had come before, but the new direction he took the stories in, and of course, the Alston humor. So after being proven wrong in my hesitancy towards an X-Wing book series twice before, you'd think this time, all these years later, after loving the X-Wing books, I'd welcome another Alston X-Wing book with open arms. After all, I have read plenty of Aaron Alston Star Wars novels since, and he's one of my favorites. Well, as we spoke about over at Now Playing Podcast during our Alien series this past spring, the resurrection of a long dormant series, even with the involvement of original talent, has yielded mixed results, to say it kindly. So 15 years later, can Aaron Alston bring the magic back to Race Squadron in this new X-Wing book, X-Wing Mercy Kill? I am happy to say the answer is yes. Wraith Squadron is reassembled after a 30-year hiatus to investigate General Thal's potential involvement in the Lesserson Conspiracy, which was an attempt to overthrow the Galactic Alliance and the Imperial Remnant to set up a completely new government to rule over the entire galaxy, similar in structure to what Emperor Palpatine had in the original trilogy. Since Thal has loyalists everywhere in the government, the covert actions of the Wraiths are needed to investigate what, if anything, the General is up to and whether or not he serves the best interests of the Galactic Alliance or himself. To reassemble the team, Wraith leader Face Loran recruits former Wraith teammate Vort Piggy Sabinring, a genetically altered genius Gamorian, to come back into action. Vort is hesitant to do so because he has been left emotionally scarred from his last Wraith mission during the Yuzhan Vong War but reluctantly agrees to come back into the field for this mission at Face's request. Face's other recruits include offspring of former Wraiths, such as Jesmyn Tainer and Mirian Tillich, the latter being Wedge's daughter. Can this new team of Wraiths find anything out nefarious about the General? 
Will Vort come to grips with his past? Will this new squad work together as well as the famed Wraith Squadron did all those years before? These and many other questions will be answered in Star Wars X-Wing Mercy Kill. Now, if Mercy Kill is your first X-Wing Wraith Squadron book, you probably need to know that while it is in the X-Wing series, Wraith Squadron doesn't spend much, if any time, in dogfights or in space-bound vehicles. The series started out with that, with Stackpole's Rogue Squadron arc, but when Alston created Wraith Squadron, the piloting took a back seat. There is less dogfighting and more covert missions. Think Impossible Mission Force from the Mission Impossible movies and TV show, complete with misdirections, elaborate plans and scams, people pulling off masks to show us who they really are, and penetrating the impregnable fortresses, that sort of stuff. And it is great fun. But to the uninitiated, having X-Wing still part of the title, it's a misnomer. And here in Mercy Kill, Alston does find a clever way to actually get a couple of characters in X-Wing fighters and have a dogfight sequence, albeit very brief. Alston has created a suitable mystery here that kept me guessing, falling for red herrings, and actually, by the end, I was able to figure out one of the big plot twists. Pat myself on the back for that one. I felt Mr. Alston was in his element here, free of any constrictions of writing with a team or a long story arc, and it seems he took some time to craft this novel's plot and scenes. Particularly impressive was how during the climactic mission, late in the book, he calls back a part of the first flashback mission that starts off the novel. You thought it was just a jokey part of that first mission, but much later, you see he laid it in there for a very good reason. Such a satisfying callback, completely unexpected, and the sign of an author knowing exactly what he is doing. Having a genetically altered, incredibly intelligent, talking Gamorian can be a big pill to swallow. Vort Piggy Sabinring is the main character of Mercy Kill, and as I said, he is brought out of self-imposed retirement to be part of Race Squadron once again. He has somewhat of a smaller role back in the day, yet putting him in the main role here works well. Alston gives him an agreeable and emotional character arc for certain, yet, honestly, it wasn't completely original. That's not to say it didn't work, it certainly did. The flashbacks into the Yuzhan Vong War were particularly poignant scenes, telling us exactly why Vort left the service, and I actually felt terror for the characters in that chapter. High praise for Mr. Alston for that passage. Vort's arc is well-written, well-rounded, it grounds the story, allows for a smooth transition into this new era of race squadron, and gives the book a slight emotional center. But nevertheless, the character arc was predictable. The new Wraith characters all blended together at first as they all share the same humor and participate in similar type banter with one another. But as we learn about what each of their specialty is, they become easier to keep track of. I did enjoy the little tidbits of character development we did get for Trey, Jesmine, Bindi, and Miri. Of those I just mentioned, we get the most background and idea of character for Miri Antilles. Being the daughter of Wedge Antilles, such a big presence in the original X-Wing series, I was left wanting a little more of her. And perhaps we will get that in a sequel. In fact, I expect all of these characters will be more fleshed out in future installments, if there are any. But this book really belongs to Vort. The standout new character is Scott, a shamed one Yuzhan Vong Wraith, that is, the team's master of disguise. But of course, since he is Yuzhan Vong, he grows disguises in his lab. It was an inspired idea to use a Yuzhan Vong for this team, 
given what the team is and what it does and what it needs, and of course, because of the dramatic tension having a Vong around can provide. Scott goes toe-to-toe with Vort, infusing both characters, especially Vort, with character-building material. While the end result of the relationship isn't all that surprising, I mean, how can it be, their confrontations are well-written and appropriate for the situation, the characters, and the character arc that Alston has set up for Vort. Now, Alston is aware that all of this can get a little long in the tooth, so he wisely has the characters themselves call out some of the stuff that would make the reader raise an eyebrow or two. Calling this stuff out is smart because not only does it provide laughs and reminds us readers that it's all supposed to be in good fun, but it also allows him to stretch believability more later in the book as needed. My favorite call out was how he acknowledges that there are a lot of relatives of former race on the squad. (laughs) I laughed out loud during that exchange. Alston has written this book, so you don't necessarily need to have read the previous Raid Squadron novels. But I think you will enjoy this book much, much more if you have. I don't doubt newbies to the series will get a lot of fun here. You will. But Alston does have a lot for us longtime fans. If you read Mercy Kill and haven't read the other Wraith books, please post in the forums about how you liked it. I would love to hear from you and your perspective. I recommend you read X-Wing Mercy Kill. While parts of it don't feel all that original for the genre, the sum of the parts make for an enjoyable, satisfying read. Star Wars X-Wing Mercy Kill is a welcome return to the world of Wraith Squadron. And now that Aaron Alston is free from his involvement in the nine-book cycles, I hope he will continue to treat us with more Wraith adventures as soon as possible. Standalones like this one or a duology, trilogy, I'm not picky. Just more Wraith. Please. For Star Wars Action News and the Star Wars Action News Book Club, this is Brock. Now back to Arnie and Marjorie. Thank you, Brock. Now, while Marjorie and I have been mostly focusing on Celebration, as we mentioned at the end of the show last week, that's not the only convention going on. So I went to Wizard World. Like I said, I've been going to Wizard World every year since 2001. It's our thing. It's our tradition. We did this before we had the show. You were going before you knew me, actually. A couple of times, but not too often. So I couldn't miss it. I usually go for shopping. There were a few Star Wars celebrities there. And here is our report from Wizard World. Hi, and welcome to our special report from Wizard World Chicago. Gotta say, it was a different year for us than most. First of all, noticed right away, after coming to this con, we just mentioned I've been coming here for 11 years at least, they changed the layout quite considerably. I think they finally listened to our show, because it used to be set up that you walk in the entrance and you are smack dab in the middle of the autograph area, which was bad because it created a traffic jam as everybody likes to looky-loo at all the aging celebrities. Now, when I first came a decade ago, I remember when we came with Attack of the Clones, they actually had the autographs way on the back wall, which was kind of a good place for it. Now, admittedly, autographs, I don't think, especially for the B and C level celebrities, weren't what they are now. I remember seeing 
Uncle Owen and David Prowse, and it was the Men Behind the Masks tour. All along the back wall, nobody was really getting autographs. Lou Ferrigno was back there. Nowadays, it seems like autograph collecting for the retro type of people has really picked up. People are more willing to pay for autographs. It's become more accepted. I still think, though, that back wall is the perfect place for them to kind of keep them out of the way. But instead, now they've put them right in the middle of the floor. I know. They bisected the convention floor, put the autographs smack dip in the middle, which means you've got people going around. There's a big traffic jam in the aisle going through. And they bifurcated the show floor. So in order to do the whole complete floor, which I like to do in an orderly fashion up and down each row, you can't because of the autograph hall. And it was just when any time you got anywhere near the autographs, it just people stopped. And you weren't moving. We did take a walk through and see Peter Mayhew, Jeremy Bullock, and Nick Gillard's autograph station. Didn't get any autographs. I got all their autographs in the past. Didn't feel the need for them here. But there were uh, so many autograph people there, aging stars who just don't look as good in their prime. Luke Perry. But let's not talk about the autographs. Let's talk about the shopping. There was a lot of vendors here. There were so many toys, but truthfully, I think that either the layout of the show worsened the problem of the people or the popularity of the show has gotten so big. Now, I think it was just last year we talked about coming up and doing a Friday and trying to be here not on Saturday because the show floor gets very crowded because of celebration and all the planning we're doing for that that didn't happen this year but truthfully we looked at every booth but i can't say i had the patience to dive in and look through every peg the way i have some years past but looking i just didn't see the wide variety of star wars collectibles i'm used to it seemed to be that the few rare items I'd see, like a vintage Return of the Jedi store display or something, were all $500, $700, $900. There was a life-size Yoda from Episode 2, a life-size Darth Maul, all well above the prices that I normally would see them going for. Only two booths that I had had real vintage items, some vintage vehicles. I saw a vintage... Death Star playset in saran wrap to keep all the parts in. Of course, it was missing the swing rope. I was considering it for 225 till I saw it was missing the swing rope. Well, yeah. I, I think what was missing a lot this year, too, was the places where you could just get a bunch of loose figures for a dollar or two apiece. That, I saw some, but they were 4 and $5, and I think the bargains are gone for some reason. I think as the price of toys go up, maybe we're seeing some of the ancillary markets also increase. So, yeah, this was the first year that I am walking away. I didn't buy anything. I enjoyed looking. I enjoyed looky-looing. We went through Artist Alley. There was a lot of cool art there, but I'm kind of holding out for celebration. I've seen all the prints coming at celebration, and I'd rather just spend my money on those exclusive prints because Artist Alley, now that we start going to C2E2 in the spring and Wizard World here in the fall. It's pretty much the same artists again and again. I noticed a lot of prints I bought at C2E2 were right here. Yeah, it just seemed to be kind of repetitive, and I wonder, even though C2E2 and this convention are two very different conventions, I wonder how much longer Chicago can support two. I don't think attendance is waned here. In fact, they have a bigger show floor than ever, but you have to think at some point they can't keep duplicating. 
One thing I thought was very cool is that Kotobukiya was here in an official capacity. We used to see the major toy retailers here at Wizard World, but lately it seems not so much. So to see Kotobukiya here with their big display, the same display they had out at San Diego Comic-Con, and they're selling a lot of their merchandise. I saw a lot of Star Wars products moving. As far as the higher-end collectibles, I oftentimes will buy Gentle Giant and Kotobukiya items here. The only bargain I found here was the Kotobukiya Yoda statue, and I love that one. It's got the light up. It's Empire Strikes Back Yoda and got the hovering rock. But I actually won it, you won it, at San Diego Comic-Con. Yeah, so you didn't have to buy it. And that was the one thing that if I hadn't owned was what I would have bought here at the con. Everything else, there was a lot of Gentle Giant, but the bus were all $60, $75, or they were bus that were very common and I already had them. I saw a couple of cool things like the Darth Talon statue, but for $250, i would rather just wait and pick it up when I find an auction on eBay or something that's mislisted or going for a bargain versus buying to buy. Celebration's coming, I'm watching every dollar, and if I'd bought something here, it would have been just to go home with something here. Exactly. And you were really, you had that in your mindset because this is our shopping con. And it was really tough to walk away and not really have anything. One thing you saw and we spent quite a bit of time looking at were the t-shirts that We Love Fine. They've got so many Star Wars shirts at welovefine.com. They had a booth here. It's always great if you can save on some shipping. It is. And I have a lot of shirts from them anyway. I have a t-shirt problem. I'll admit it. I love t-shirts. Theirs are so soft. They are. They have the softest t-shirts, and their girl-cut shirts are the best shirts ever for girls. They're just perfectly curvy, and they've got the right length sleeves, which you guys were like, I don't care. But it matters when you're a girl, when your sleeves aren't down to your elbows, and they kind of hug your curves. It's nice. But I struggled because they had a number of Star Wars shirts, and I kind of like having unique shirts that not everyone has. Which is really hard at Celebration unless we're printing them ourselves. Exactly, yes. We are doing some of that. But they had some cute ones. And the one I really wanted, I was so bummed, it was a toddler shirt. <laughs> it was a great retro C-3PO blue shirt with gold sleeves, like a layered shirt, only for kids. Bummed. It was very retro of the shirts they had in the 70s and early 80s for Star Wars. Yeah, it was. And I loved it. But it wasn't meant to be. You kept looking at some other shirts, but it kind of felt like me. You just wanted to buy yeah, and that's the problem with T-shirts, because they're relatively inexpensive. I'll buy five or six on a trip, just because. But I honestly think you have more than you can wear. But it is tricky to find a shirt that you won't be having a Twinkie partner at Celebration wearing. And let me give you guys a hint. If you bought the Star Wars shirt at Target, chances are there's going to be 300 other people wearing that shirt. But there was one thing we spent some money on, and it was probably the highlight of the con. You shot the hell out of Chris Spice of StanTroopers.com. I did. The 501st was having a special shoot-a-trooper thing, and Chris Spice happened to be the Sand Trooper up there at the time. So I plunked down my $5. I shot the hell out of him. Chris Spice, for those of you who don't know, 
if you listen to our recorded Hasbro presentations from Toy Fair or San Diego Comic-Con, he's usually the one cursing during the presentation. If I ever have to silence the audio, it's because his F-bombs dropped, got a little too loud. So it was nice. It was for charity. It was $5, and you got to shoot him 25 times. And Chris is a great guy. Don't get us wrong. I love Chris. He's awesome. I think I see him now sometimes more than my family members at these events, but hey, I can't pass up an opportunity to shoot the hell out of them, especially for five bucks for charity. So that is it from Wizard World, and it really just, maybe I couldn't get into Wizard World this year because I am just so focused on celebration because that's where my mind is, is let's forget the Chicago Comic Con, let's get celebrating. I think we're ready to go. But first... We are having the Star Wars Action News dinner, getting to see a lot of our friends, and we are headed to that right now. So it was great seeing everyone at dinner last night. Yeah, we had a great time. We had like 20-some people, and I think it's our regular Chicago crew, and this is what we do every year now. We just go to the convention, we run into each other on the floor, hey, hi, see ya, I got this, you got that, and then we all meet for dinner at the Ram Brewery and spend like three hours there and have a great time. And about half of them we're going to be seeing again in just a couple of weeks. And that half seemed to agree with what we'd said earlier. Celebration just cast such a long shadow that there wasn't a lot of shopping going on. And this year, the dealers at Wizard World just did not want to barter. No, they didn't. And it was a different mix of groups, too. But they weren't willing to barter at all. But somebody who's not able to go to C6 and has a different take on Wizard World this year is Brock, who reviewed Mercy Kill a little while ago. Here he is again, now with his thoughts on this weekend's Wizard World. Hey everyone, this is Brock driving home from Chicago Comic-Con Wizard World 2012. In fact, when I say driving home, I mean literally in the car. So if you hear some sort of noise behind me or me cursing at somebody, just politely ignore it until I get back on track. Uh, getting back, actually, from the annual Swan Comic-Con, well, Chicago Comic-Con, uh, dinner. Lots of fun to see everybody there. If you were there, you knew you were there. I'm not going to try to name everybody who's there and forget anybody, insult anybody. But it was a great group this year, bigger than normal. And it was a lot of fun to see all of you again. Can't wait till next year to see you again, if not sooner, if we can do that. I know Arnie and Marjorie talked about their experience in the con on our, this episode, so I want to make sure I get my thoughts in, too, because I wasn't able to record with them. i got to tell you, overall, I was quite impressed. It was much bigger this year. I'd say about 30% bigger, and the layout was different. And Arnie and I talked at the dinner a little bit, and he was telling me that he had better ideas on how to do it even better for the layout. And I'm like, I really enjoyed having the artists and the celebrities in the middle or off to the side as opposed to big sectioned off areas and it allowed me to gawk at the celebrities that I wasn't waiting in line for and it allowed me to actually enjoy some of the artists that I probably would have just skipped entirely if they were pushed off to the back again as they normally are at Chicago Comic Con so yes it could have flowed a little better towards the later in the day as it got really crowded some kind of traffic jams were occurring but overall I felt much, much better about this con. I had a great time, better time this year than I had in the past couple, just because I was able to find more and look more and spend more time at each booth without feeling I was being pushed to move on by the crowds of people 
every time I stopped to look at anything. So this is the Star Wars Collecting Podcast. Let me tell you what I actually got and what I was looking for. As you all know, I am a loose action figure collector, so I was looking for loose figures complete. Last year, they had a great booth with a guy full of these plastic drawers with complete figures and baggies and all. He was not there, but the guys who did have figures in baggies that were complete, they were charging eight, nine dollars. These are not carded figures. These are not new figures. These are figures that have been around for five or six years that are plentiful to find, and yet they're charging full price. So I passed. I passed on a lot of that, but man, did I sit there and look through these bins and try to find what I wanted. If I wanted Power of the Force 2, Power of the Jedi, I can get them at $5 or less. There are a lot of five for 20 deals and those green card and red cards and things like that and so if you're looking to fill gaps in those i know a lot of those characters have been redone over the years but you know if you're looking for troop builders or you're trying to complete a collection like that this is the place to go i had a lot of problem also with the vendors bargaining they didn't want to bargain with me at all what was on the sticker is what i had to pay and i didn't really like that either Typically, you hear about at Chicago Comic-Con that they actually vend and they actually do it. But this year, they did not want to bargain with me for what I was asking. Now, of course, I'm only looking to spend $20, $25 at each place. I'm not looking to buy a $300 item. Perhaps if I was looking to buy a $300 item, they would have bargained with me a little bit. So what did I get? I was actually able to find some trading cards. I think you guys know I like trading cards as well. I actually got three sets. I got this... Uh, Shadows of the Empire set which I actually missed back in 96 fantastic artwork there I got Star Wars Galaxy 7 cannot wait to crack that open when I get home tomorrow well tonight but I'm not going to do it tonight folks I'm going to bed (laughs) tomorrow and put them in pages and really enjoy the artwork and believe it or not I also got Series 1 Tops 1980 The Empire Strikes Back complete set now I didn't have stickers that's fine. I don't collect the stickers anyway. I just couldn't believe I got all of that for 25 bucks. 25 bucks for three sets, especially the vintage Empire Strikes Back. The cards did not look too damaged. They looked actually pretty good. Obviously, there's going to be wear on a classic vintage The Empire Strikes Back set, but nothing terrible. Obviously, I didn't open the set and look at every single card. So if there's a couple of cards in there that have like giant creases in them, well, I guess I'll have to replace individual cards. But I'll find that out. If I remember to post in the forums about that, or if you guys want to actually know the condition of the set and completion, uh, drop me a line in this... Drop me a message, I should say, not a line, in the forum for this show, and I will let you know about that. I also got from the Star Tours in Walt Disney World. I'm not going to go at Celebration 6, so I won't be able to go for any Disney sort of things or even go to Disney this year or even go to Celebration to find it there. So I was able to pick up a Star Tours, Huey, Dewey, and Louie as Jawas. And it's a really great set. I paid $17 for that. It's $10 retail down at Disney. But if you factor in flight, if I was going, etc., it pays out. If I factor in eBay with shipping and all that, I did pretty well. So I was very happy with paying that much money for that item. I like it. I don't mind it. And that's the most important thing I feel It was a fair deal. So those are two of the Star Wars items I got. I was looking around for some artwork, and I'm going to contact this gentleman in the next day or so. He had photoshopped 
Star Wars characters as famous historical figures, and in this case, presidents of the United States. He has three of them. He had Yoda as George Washington. He had Obi-Wan Kenobi as Thomas Jefferson. And he had General Governor Tarkin, excuse me, as Andrew Jackson. And the funny thing about Andrew Jackson was <laughs> the, the Photoshop job, you could hardly tell it's Tarkin because Peter Cushing looks so much like Andrew Jackson in the way he photoshopped it. But the Yoda and the Obi-Wan will be fantastic for my wall. They're just Photoshop prints, and he was charging a little too much, I thought, for printing them out. I'm basically print, paying for his ink and paying for the paper. So I'm going to see if I can cut some sort of deal to get a digital file from him. And uh, if I can get those digital files from him, I will post a picture of what I have here in the forum so you can see them. And we'll see. If not, I'll see if I can find them on the Internet and link to them in the next couple of days. So overall, I had a really great Star Wars time at Chicago Comic-Con 2012. I'm going to throw you back to Arnie and Marjorie. I just want to tell you, though, this year, great time. And I advise, if it's going to be this good next year, you all should take a look at it. If it's in your schedule, in your budget, check out Chicago Comic-Con. I had a great time, and I hope Arnie and Marjorie did, too. Talk to you all soon. Now back to Arnie and Marjorie. Well, that's our show for this week. Our next show will be your celebration pregame show. Arnie's going to have his big headset on with his mic and running, drawing little things on the teleprompter for you guys. Actually, no, I view myself more as the Pepper Brooks than the Cotton McKnight of that scenario. Oh, I wanted to be Pepper. Sorry, you're Cotton. I'm not Cotton, I'm Pepper. Everybody's met me totally knows I'm Pepper. And I'm very disappointed that you had to Google those two people. Extraordinarily disappointed. You're my husband. You had to Google Cotton McKnight and Pepper Brooks? Really? I'm sure I'm not the only one Googling them right now. That hurts. But yes, we will be back just days before celebration with a last minute show for you to listen to on the plane, in the car, or even just standing or sitting in line. So again, we hope to see you at our two panels on Thursday. Hope you were able to get into the party Thursday night and stop by the social area. We'd just love to have you say hi. Well, and don't forget that we're going to be doing the Meet the Fan site, so make sure to stop by all of our wonderful peers. They're going to have slots so you can get their patches. Our slot is Saturday afternoon. We're going to do a podcast early Saturday afternoon in the social area. Come by, say hi, get a patch. We're going to have our special exclusive celebration badges. It's going to be a great time. So we'll talk to you next week before celebration. Thank you for listening to Star Wars Action News. You can find even more Star Wars coverage at our sister podcast, Republic Forces Radio Network, where we review each episode of the Clone Wars cartoon series. You can find that show at republicforces.com. If you're into Star Wars novels, check out the Star Wars Action News Book Club, where we read and review all the Star Wars novels. That podcast is at swactionnews.com. We want your feedback and suggestions for Star Wars Action News. You can email us at show at swactionnews.com or post your thoughts in the Star Wars Action News forums at swactionnews.com, the most friendly forums on the web. 
You can be on Star Wars Action News by calling our voicemail at 415-508-JEDI or sending an MP3 or iPhone voice memo to show at SWActionNews.com. All materials submitted become the property of Star Wars Action News and are subject to use on our show. You can help support Star Wars Action News by using the affiliate links on our homepage when shopping online. We would also appreciate it if you spread the word about Star Wars Action News by posting about us on Twitter, Facebook, MySpace, or just tell a friend about the show. If you enjoyed the show, please leave us a review on iTunes, and you can also cast a vote for us each month at Podcast Alley. Links to both can be found on our homepage at SWActionNews.com. For more Star Wars collecting, please visit YakFace.com and JediTempleArchives.com, and we thank those sites for their support of Star Wars Action News. Star Wars Action News is created, produced, and hosted by Marjorie and Arnie. The Star Wars Action News team is website designed by Jason, associate produced and announcements by Brock, reporters Jerry, Dan, Steve, and Justin, graphic design by Chris, and podcast enhancement by Barrett. Star Wars Action News is not affiliated with Lucasfilm Limited. The show is created by fans showing their love of Star Wars. Star Wars and all the Star Wars universe contains is trademarked and copyrighted Lucasfilm Limited, all rights reserved. Until next time, may the pegs be stocked and the force be with you. Star Wars Action News. Now this is podcasting. Star Wars Action News is a Venganza Media production, copyright 2012, all rights reserved. Nothing worse than arts and craft and hot glue, though you can't really sniff hot glue the way you did old glue, like at school, could you? Those, no. That sort of like rubbery glue that they used to give us there in elementary school. And this has been True Confessions with Frank Diorio. <laughs>